Hey, I'm Steph. I'm a motivator, creator, small business owner, and educator. I'm a lover of all things health, spirituality, inspiration, and business. These are just a few words to describe me, along with passion, grit, and resiliency. Regardless of what I'm up to, I am soul-driven to create a purpose-filled life and find the advantages in adversity, all while keeping a smile on my face. Soul Driven with Steph is a podcast that will fill up your cup and leave you feeling empowered, inspired, and on fire as you listen to interviews and stories of other soul-driven and strong women that have overcome against all odds. This podcast was a calling on Steph's soul to serve, connect, and share stories of struggles and successes, all to create a community so that you know you're never alone. Grab a cup of coffee, get ready to learn laugh and leave with wisdom and strategies to connect to your soul and get back in the driver's seat of your life today. Here's Steph. I'm Mara Wubik. We provide free business training and business learning in the state of Wisconsin. Um, business loan up to three fifty thousand dollars, but usually our average loan is more like thousand dollars. So still a lot. <laughs> yeah, still a lot. So you're thinking about you know taking a big leap with your business. Sometimes that's what's needed: hiring an employee, signing a lease, um, making a big step um, in any direction, really. So keep us in mind for that, especially all of our loan clients also have a small business consultant who works with them for the lifetime of the loan. So um, we definitely believe in the support network of sister circle and having that coaching um, relationship with other business owners and with the community. So, um, but I now have the awesome, really, I mean, the best job, which is to introduce our two guests, um, Pay and Deb, who are just amazing women, uh, inspire me personally and professionally. Um, both our business owners, sorry, I could, could not say it, uh, both our business owners in our community and have a lot of amazing wisdom that they can um, lend from their experience. Sometimes you can take a class about business planning. If you haven't, come check ours out. We do them for free. Um, and well, But really, until you kind of get to hear that story um, and what that really looks like, it, it can really... Can okay, so the, the theme is kind of small business at every stage, right? Yes. So Deb, I will start with you because yeah, you are representing right. our that's 30 years. You are representing your 30 years in business owning the court above Maine, the wedding tree, the wedding expo, yeah. the yeah, things, events at the court above Maine. Um, and we're really excited to learn more from you. And they're our brand partners. So we host some of our other events there. So yes, we do. Thanks for being and then Kay Maza, who owns Ula La Boutique on Jackson, um, in Jackson Plaza. Um, she outfitted me with sure this blazer. Um, so I will warn you if you go, be ready to spend some money coming to I do. I like to help people shop. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he went into business two years ago. A little bit more. Yeah, three, but, almost yeah. three. Mm-hmm. I should know that number. Off That's the top okay. Of my head. We're close. I, I mean, if there, it's a roll up or a roll down, whatever way you want to yeah. think that day. Um, previously worked in a lot of small businesses in town that you probably recognize um, from around downtown as well. Maybe I stopped at. Uh, she actually did me and my husband's or my husband's tux for our wedding. So just uh, one of those small world things coming back around. Um, and we're really kind of excited to hear about hey, you have worked in businesses before, but now you've kind of taken that leap 
you're a couple years in, hear that kind of insight as well, because there's definitely going to be a juxtaposition between those two um, mindsets. And then Stephanie is our lovely host of Sister Circle um, and is kind of representing that 10 year in business phase. So you probably, I imagine if you're here, know a little bit of Stephanie's story and some of the things she's gone through with her business and having made some big changes um, recently as well. So having been that through, seen through that kind of first stage to success to then also needing to make some decisions to change things so that it works better for her and her business fits her life. So you each just share a little bit, what led you to small business ownership? I definitely know each of you have <laughs> all very different and interesting stories, Kay, but I'm going to start with you. Really? Because I feel like, <laughs> but you know, just a little bit of, but just like, how did you get to the opening the doors of Ulala? Yeah. Um, I'm actually from La Crosse originally. Um, I was gone for about 25 years once I was 22 years old. And I worked in high-end boutiques all across the country. Um, my last job was, I was the head of training for Sex with Avenue in New York mm -hmm. when I finally got back into a corporate thing. So I went from Neiman Marcus to Sex with Avenue. And then my dad actually died suddenly. And so I had to come home. And um, I have a sister that's disabled. My grandmother was 102 at the time. And my family needed some help. And out of all my siblings, I'm the oldest of five. I had to be the one. <laughs> like, oh my God, you're just going to punk that career. But my philosophy was different than that, just because lacrosse is what I've always viewed as a place of, filled with diamonds. I mean, some of the best people you'll ever meet in your life, no matter where you live, are here. And they motivate you and they energize you. And they are mentors and they're people you aspire to be like. Um, and when you ask them simple questions, you learn so much about the world itself. It doesn't matter that they're just living in lacrosse. Mm -hmm. So I left here working. I, I started Dale's business in City Square, which if, I know Wibbick's a big fan of Jay's Cafe. So it's really funny because Dale and I had everything else but where Jay's Cafe was. <laughs> um, and then Judy Wibke owned a salon there. So I was in City Square for a long time left. Um, when I came back, because I was with Saks, Saks at the time owned Herberger's and vice versa. Then it flipped and Herberger's owned Saks Fifth Avenue. And so I tried to get a job here. Um, well, they couldn't take me. So I actually applied to be an assistant at CAP. <laughs> and that was some of the worst interviewing processes I've ever had in my life. But yet Emily, who if anybody knew who was at the Gap and the Gap outlet for the longest time, she just gave me a break. And 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 in the end, it didn't work out because Herberger's actually called me and included me in um, an opportunity there. So that was really a thrill. So I ran corporate again and I thought, oh, don't do that lacrosse. Like you've got to be able to do something different. So I was there for about 12 years. We went from a $4 million door to 12 million in less than eight years. And that was a blast of an experience. All of a sudden, one day I was driving down Highway 16. I thought that's enough of that. <laughs> Came downward kind of downtown where Deb was, which is the place I always loved anyway. And Deb and I have gotten a chance over our lifetime to do a lot of different fun things together. So um, I went to touch a class. How many of you have been to touch a class? If you're talking about long-term female owned 41 years shop local, beautiful, beautiful caliber of a shop. 
Um, and that's kind of where Deb and I got a lot of time together. And then from there, I was able to be um, recruited out by Dale again, <laughs> probably because he saw how much money I could make him. Right? So anybody shop at Dale's before? Um, Luxo happens, COVID hit, and I thought that's my ticket out. Now I can do something different. I got my hip replaced. And then all of a sudden... Um, new person walked, walked in, walked into elite repeat and, uh, she goes, what's your name? And I said, my name's Kay. And she said, what's your, what's your name name? And she's kind of like that. Her name's Sue Hill. I go, it's Kay Mazza. She goes, oh, everybody's been telling me I should call you because I want you to take over the store because I want to retire. I'm like, really? <laughs> I said, like, I'm getting the hives. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know about that. That just sounds weird. Right. So went home for a couple of weeks. And then I decided, I told her, I'll, I'll sit side by side with you for a month, see what this looks like, see what your business model's like, which I think too, Deb, and probably you, if we ever get a chance to talk longer, <laughs> it's about philosophy and values and process and all of that. So I did that. And I thought, you know what, let somebody retire during COVID who's been working for a long time, you know, take a break, let, let them try something different and let me try something different. Right. So it got me to this. I thought I should do my French heritage. I called it Ooh La La. The first day I, I had it open, the lady says to me, and I thought it was very pronounceable. She says to me, how do you pronounce that? And I thought, doesn't it say Ooh La La? <laughs> <laughs> the branding oh my god i'm gonna die so anyway that was pretty funny um i haven't had that comment come up since then i was gonna say thank goodness <laughs> so anyway it's been a consignment story it started with only 1800 square feet and now it's 5,000, and we have a furniture annex um it's been very fast only with the support of people like mara um and all of my, you know, go back to my lineage of where I'm from lacrosse. So everybody that walks in is my, somebody I babysat <laughs> or, you know, somebody whose kid thinks they like a thrift store and then they pull up a Eileen Fisher piece and they're like, oh, that's not thrift. <laughs> so it's been fun. And I, I mean, the, the imperative thing is, goes back to the original reason why I'm back in lacrosse anyway, is do something to support your personal cause which my father would be so proud that I just tried to do something right by my family name, do good work in the community and, you know, align myself with a network of people that also believe in positivity and success. Mm -hmm. So that's a long answer, but it's worth that answer. <laughs> yeah, that is. <laughs> I love that. If I sweat, we'll go with it, right, everybody? <laughs> Deb, can we hear from you next? Because yes. I think most of us know Stephanie oh. a little bit. <laughs> yeah. That's hard to follow. <laughs> I don't know. I've heard your story. Too. Yeah, yes, it's pretty sensational. Well, oh, I was born in. <laughs> okay, so skipping ahead to, because I think some of you were at a different event that I did with Stephanie, because I love her enthusiasm and energy and everything. So when, when she's asked me to do something, I never said that. <laughs> but I'm also about helping other small business people, which is why I have an expo. And we let other people that have dresses and have taxes and have venues come to that. But I'm getting ahead of it. 
<laughs> so my parents moved a lot. Um, dysfunctional family. I basically went to a different school almost every year. Um, and so that got me to talk to people. And then I got pregnant in high school and um, had a baby right after high school. My parents made me get married and that didn't last. Um, but regardless, I went to school to uh, Western WWTI and mm -hmm. got my marketing retailing degree because I didn't know what else to put in the blank. Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm like, I don't know. You know, all I've done is work fast food and restaurants. And the, the counselor said, how about, uh, how about marketing? Anybody that can't decide what to do, they just put down marketing. Oh, I'm just going oh, to yes. <laughs> so I put down marketing. I think it's really true. Yeah. At that time. Yes. I really do. It, yeah, it was, Ms. Barb Ebner. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's a mentor. Yep, that's exactly right. She was. Fashion mm -hmm. So anyway, um, went, went to TC for Western for marketing, and then it was only an extra three months to do marketing retailing, and 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 I think what's important about that is you never know what you're going to be when you grow up. Like I still don't know for sure. <laughs> I remember there was this one. I needed only one credit. I'm like, what's one credit? I'm certainly not going to waste my time or money taking a two or three credit course if I only need one credit. And so my option was something egg related or machine calc. So, so I did machine calc. Oh, cow. No, machine calc. Yeah. Well, guess what I ended up doing, even when I was working at Hardee's and when I was now, you know, like you ended up adding your deposit. I never had to look at the keypad. It came in very handy. I mean, that, that's, that's true. That's with say, like it's a, it's a, it's a analogy really. But uh, so then I graduated with a, marketing retailing degree in 1990 and I was working full-time at Hardee's as a single parent. Also in my, one of my regular customers was like, what else do you do? So I told him, and he's like, wow, you have a lot of motivation. Come see me after you graduate. And that guy happened to own the cross management systems, which was a computer hardware and software house. And they sold vertical market software and supported it mm -hmm. nationwide. And so, um, that he owned this company. I'm like, oh, wow. I didn't even know he was important when I was serving him ice cream. <laughs> um, but then I, I did graduate and I called him and I said, Gary, you told me to call you and graduated thinking that maybe I would be a good fit for your company. And he's like, well, the only thing we're hiring for right now is a receptionist, but you're ha I'm happy to have you interview. So I came in, did the interview. And the person that could type more than 25 words a minute got the job. Um, I didn't have a typing class that was one credit. I didn't have <laughs> high school, like they didn't have computers at the major But <laughs> it's true. So I'm like, oh, dang, I didn't. And then a couple of weeks later, they called and said, um, we were happy with you at the interview and your energy impressed us. So we are uh, forming a position for you. Okay, so I went back in for another interview and I didn't, again, they didn't even have interview classes. I'm like, now you can go online and be like, what to prepare for? We didn't have internet then. And when they asked the question, there was eight managers around the table. What, make, what is something different about you that separates you from other people that may want to work here? 
well, I did want, I was going to say, like, I got pregnant in high school, so gradually. <laughs> <laughs> and my family's dysfunctional. My parents don't even keep smoking when I'm pregnant. <laughs> like, I didn't want to get into that kind of thing. <laughs> so, uh, um, I said, the only thing that could come to my mind is I have a visual memory. And when I was in here two weeks ago, I saw you, you, and you, and you, you two weren't here. You had on a gray suit with a white shirt and burgundy suspenders, yeah. burgundy socks to match your suspenders and black shoes. And you had Paisley, you know, and the girl in the dress. I think you had a peach dress on with black print. And I just, because that's what I remembered. And I thought maybe this was something that was different. And it was. And I got the job. <laughs> how to teach how to sell the, the system itself. So then I started traveling, 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 and they kept saying, I'm like, this is a lot. I have three kids now, and I'm trying to balance, you know, so early 90s, sitting on an airplane, happened all the time, who's babysitting your kids, you know, where if I would have been a man, I know everyone would have been like, congratulations on your career. <laughs> you go to the, you go do the stuff all day, you go to the bar, you want to have something to eat or drink, and then like, mm -hmm. the guys out, you know, like, I don't feel comfortable coming here because I know you're not looking at me like we're going to talk about computers, you know, <laughs> so it, it certainly has not changed as much as you would think it should have by now. And I I'm, it, I still weekly have situations where there is gender bias, but regardless, they kept telling me that I could become a partner because they, they fired five salespeople and I could sell the same amount that all five of them could buy and sell it. So keep doing this. You'll be a partner. You'll be a partner. You'll be a partner. And then finally five years in, I'm like, when do I get to become a partner? I've done basically everything you told me I couldn't do now. And they're like, never. So I stopped my foot and yeah. it is. I stopped my foot and said, fine, I'm going to find a business to buy and make myself rich. Because through this, I also got sick, got ovarian cysts. Had Unity Home Healthcare coming to my house to change my cartridges. Um, and, you know, with kids running around and stuff, and the lady, I remember the lady going, do you know you almost died? Like, no, and she goes, I'm not changing out cartridges on all 24-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> because they have this sickness, this, this illness in their body. It was an infection. Um, so you really need to think about slowing down. Um, and so I'm you like, got a business? I'll find this business to buy that I can afford and make myself rich. And I always say, I stopped my foot and said I was going to it. Well, then my accountant called and said, I found the best business for you. It's a retail uh, place selling dresses. Do you have any experience? <laughs> I hate dresses. <laughs> I'm wearing tennis shoes. I, I just, I don't like dresses. <laughs> But you have excellent taste in dresses. Nonetheless. Thank there you. Go. Yeah. yeah. So sure. it's a. I I did end up buying the business. It took six months to negotiate. The wedding tree had been opened in 1976. The same two people that met at Desmond's formal wear, because they both worked there in alterations. Um, one was a salesperson. One was in alterations. Met, had an affair, got married, started the wedding tree in 76. Um, he died from having a heart attack in my accountant's office, which is why my accountant knew about it. I should have taken that as a red flag. <laughs> wow. Yeah. She's a comedian too. There's shows no, that. Don't, don't midnight. <laughs> it is true. And so, but it took six months to negotiate. And so what I found out the day I walked into work my first time and asked where my office was going to be, 
I thought I asked all the right questions. Accounts receivable, accounts payable. How many? How many uh, employees? Can I see the financials? Things you think you should be asking. I bought books about buying a small business. <laughs> and uh, what she didn't tell me is that every customer that came in through the six months that we were negotiating, she told them all, if you pay in full, you can have a 10% discount. She didn't order their dress or pay for the dress, and she took all their money. Mm -hmm. Doing the math, you can realize that I got in there. So I went from making 95000 a year in computer sales in the 90s. I made negative 70s first year. And my banker, my accountant, and my attorney all said, walk away. You're going to have to file a bankruptcy. This is not going to work. And we need to charge criminal charges on this lady because she totally misrepresented. She stole. Mm -hmm. Fast forward ahead, that was not a valid answer in my head. Um, I was like, no way. I told people that I was working for her. That I was going to make myself rich and I'm not going to file bankruptcy within the first 30 days. <laughs> Period. Chip on your shoulder. I think I'm 45, but not in the first 30. Yeah. So it just kept doing, I, mean, I borrowed more money and I did all this stuff and, and got took care of everybody's wedding. Um, somebody even put a happy ad in the lacrosse tribune because that's how we said thank you then. And um, at the wedding tree and Deb made the wedding great because all these mistakes were made before she got there, but she fixed them and we walked down the aisle and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, that was an honor then to be in the tribune doing something well. And, but I just, I wanted to make sure the business was going to make it no matter what expense and not, you know, we're not talking about selling uh, tablecloths to people. This is an important day. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I could say, I don't care about everybody that's getting married in the next six months. I, I had to fix it all. Um, so we did, and then after all that was fixed, I called every customer that had gotten married in the last two years and said, what could be done differently by a bridal shop to make your experience better, easier, more streamlined? You know, and number one was start tuxedos. So I um, called my landlord, <coughs> John Desmond. <laughs> and so then Desmond's formal wear. Do you guys ever hear of Desmond? John Desmond is an icon and a legend in our area. Mm -hmm. he, he deserves more than he ever received, in my opinion. He started Desmond's formal wear, where Deaf Ear is now. And he went on to franchise, essentially, and have he had hundreds and hundreds of dealers throughout the United States renting Desmond's Texas. It's a big deal. And um, so I thought, what's one more place? And I know where Duluth Trading is now. He did. He rented his own Texas. They had menswear and tuxedos. So I called him and I said, my customers want me to have tuxedos here so they don't have to carry their bridesmaid dresses across the street to match up to the best. And he's like, no, that's not going to happen. On page seven of your lease, it says you could never do anything menswear related ever. That's why your rent's only $700 a month. I said, I will pay you 10% more than the rest of your dealers are paying you if you let me rent your tuxedos. That way you still get the profit that you want. You just are losing 40% from not doing it directly. You know, does that make sense? But it's better than what you'll lose if I bring in that's another third party. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, here's me acting all big and 26 years old telling him how to run his business. <laughs> He's like, no. <laughs> so I went to the bank, took out another loan, and bought out my lease. That was a hard $12,000 check to write out when I was still only making $10,000 compared to $95,000. And rented the place next door to him, which is where I am now. 
And uh, so I went from 2,500 square feet to that sales floor was 7,000 and the basement was 7,000. So 14,000 square feet. And my rent went from 700 to 3,000. And blind faith, being young, I'm like, why well, went it work? All we have to do is rent 120 taxes a month and it takes care of it. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> and so they stayed, they stayed open till five. We started being open till seven and put a sign on the front big neon that says, we'll measure for tuxedos here. Everybody came in to get measured because they worked until five and we got all the wedding parties. And Desmond's actually ended up closing that site down and moving out by the mall which is where Ben's Warehouse is now. And Desmond's did sell out to Ben's Warehouse eventually. Good for them because that was their retirement. Mm -hmm. Like I was so happy for them and I felt they were competing and beating Men's Warehouse and then we did. Mm -hmm. uh, but Men's Warehouse has a great market. That's a whole different So as it turns out, um, we had to make the space look full, even though it was almost empty because it was a lot of space and remodel bit by bit. And uh, I had the space and fill it up and make it look busy and and they will come was our philosophy and the graphic district. Mm -hmm. That is beautiful. I love hearing it every time. Thank you. Um, I'm I'm going to share parts of my story that I don't think I've really shared before because I have so many different changes that have happened in my businesses and myself, I feel like. Um, so I started when I was 20 and out of passion um, and excitement for health and wellness and fitness. Um, I was going to school at UWL or TC at the time, actually, to be a high school history teacher, but I had to take health and wellness credits. Um, and I was like the weirdo who really liked the class, um, got to know my teacher, um, Nancy Winberg, who I think just retired. She was a great mentor to me. And I said, I love this kickboxing class we did one day. It was like cardio kickboxing. And she's like, yeah, you know, you could like get certified and teach this. And I thought, well, that sounds kind of fun. I loved group sports. Um, I played softball all through childhood to high school. So did my turbo kick training. And that was kind of the beginning of leading group fitness classes. So when I went to UWL, I started teaching there. And then I'm from Holman. So I really wanted to teach in my hometown. So there was a gym that I found, taught a couple nights a week, and then decided I wanted to try teaching yoga as well. So that's where my basis started for yoga and kickboxing. While I was teaching at BeFit, um, there was a student who took my class and told a mixed martial arts gym, Ironworks Training Center, about my classes. And they had an empty room upstairs. So I decided they invited me to come rent that space. Thought, why not? Who doesn't want to own a business at 20? So um, I started Zen and Pal then in 2013, which feels like forever ago now, but um, decided I was still going to finish school because I was paying for it myself. Even though I wasn't going to be a history teacher, I thought I'll get as much out of this as I can. And then as soon as I'm done with school, I'm just going to go full time and see what I can make of this. So within a year of that, um, I outgrew my space pretty quickly. And that's when I was really excited to take my first leap into having my own space, took out my first business loan up until that point, broke college student, you know, didn't make a lot of money doing it. But I thought, okay, I'll take this to the next level. My parents had to sign behind my loan because I had zero credit history and I didn't own a house or anything like that. So I'm really grateful that I had them to support me and 
I thought I would be in that space forever. I was there for two years. My landlord turned out to be very interesting person. Um, I'll put it nicely. Um, but I got a lot of red flags that I had to leave that space within two years. So that is when I started searching out for a different space, hence Misty's Dance, where I opened in 2019. And I knew that going there would triple my debt, triple my loan, triple my payroll, triple my expenses. I knew all of that going in. And a lot of people tell me it was not a good idea. Um, my attorney told me that, my banker told me that, my dad told me that, everyone pretty much told me that. But my sister did tell my dad that, you know, she really needs this opportunity because I saw that through that opportunity, I would gain a mentor. Um, so Missy Lound, the owner of the building, is someone that I think a lot of us know her name, um, but I had never met her and I just heard of all the awesome things that she had done. So um, to me, that was valuable and that was worth spending and investing all this money. So I jumped into it. Um, and meanwhile, got sued by my landlord. So that was a fun experience along the way. Learned a lot there. I think I was 24, 25 at the time. Um, so super young, naive, never thought something like that would happen to me, but it did. Got through that 2019 and we were doing good. And then boom, COVID hit. So I didn't plan for that. I knew it was going to be hard, but I didn't know it was going to be that hard. Um, but we pivoted right away. We built an online. We did hybrid. I mean, I literally think we did everything possible, but sometimes things still don't work out the way that you hope. So um, we made a lot of adjustments along the way. And um, I just started getting, and I'm very intuitive, and we talked about this earlier today. And I think a lot of you know, if you're in tune with yourself, like you get red flags, you get signs, you get, you know, symbols, and just I'm open to those types of things. So last summer, I would say 2020 was still a good year. But every year after that was hard. And some of you may feel that or have felt that, um, that it just got harder. And I am an eternal optimist. So I'm constantly like, next month's going to be better. Oh, next month's going to be better. Oh, this is just a next month's going to be better. Yeah. Um, so if you've been there, like I get it. Cause that was me. And then it literally wasn't getting better. So, um, and it was one of those things where sometimes you can do everything possible and it's just not meant to work out. So I kind of had to face that and deal with, okay, what am I going to do now? I have a business loan to pay every month. I have overhead. I have staff. I have payroll. I have all of these things. And it just kept stacking up and weighing, weighing, weighing heavy on me. And then finally, last summer, my sister called me one day and she's like, I have a really crazy idea. And I'm like, what? And she's like, have you ever thought of doing real estate? And I think I literally laughed at her and I was like, no, I've never thought of doing that. Like I would be so bad at that. I don't want to do it. It's not creative. It's not me. It's I, I can't imagine doing that. And she's like, well, I just think about it because I think you'd be really good at it. And I'm thinking like, what is she talking about? I don't like contracts. I don't like, like, I don't know anything about <laughs> Like, what is she You know about? you don't like contracts. <laughs> I'm like, what? Is this the same sister that told your dad? Yeah. All right. Well, I understand now. Um, but I just remember just totally shutting her down <laughs> completely. Um. And thinking like, there's no way that I would be good at that. Like, plus I felt like I'd be giving up my dream if I did this other thing. 
Um, and then finally, I was like, well, you know what? At the end of the day, I'm, if I want to keep pursuing this dream, then I need to be able to afford it. <laughs> so I'll give it a try. I'll give it a go. And um, that was almost a year ago. And I will say the first few months were challenging because I then decided within three months of making that decision that I was going to leave that space because the numbers just didn't add up. And I was enjoying pursuing something different anyway. So um, I made that hard decision, came to my mentor at the time and said, this doesn't make sense. And she said, I agree. And I think that you will be very happy with this decision in a year. And um, I mean, it was within a few months of making that decision. But um, even just hearing your stories, like sometimes you pursue things for passion and then other times you pursue things because you have bills to pay. And sometimes they both intersect and somehow it always works out. Okay. Um, so just like trusting the path and it's inspiring to hear how like I always felt like if I didn't do the one thing that I set out to do for the rest of my life, that somehow that was failure failure and like just listening to your story of how many different things you've done and different things to try. And sometimes you just know that it's time for something new. So that's why I feel like it's okay to like evolve and change who you are and what your business is doing because you're always changing. And along the road, I realized that I actually love teaching business more than I love teaching yoga and fitness, I think. <laughs> so um, that was a big pivot, like starting Sister Circle. And like, this is something that I feel I can still do full time alongside of real estate. And they go really well hand, to hand, hand in hand together. So yeah, it's okay to like get to a point and decide that actually don't enjoy this anymore um and sometimes it takes 10 years and sometimes it takes two years but um just being open to changing along the way so I, yeah there, there's the reality about it and it's a term I've used a lot I'm sure all of, I think women actually have to use a term like this there's expiration dates on a lot of things for us um whatever that means however you want to use that to your benefit but things do have a wind down they don't actually have to have even closure but they do yeah. have an expiration date and they may they may allow reset for you so then you use all the code words right you're you're doing all the you know we've used already some of the words deb and i right away talked about pivot you know instead of transition <laughs> and you know there's all these words we use but those are ticklers to be able to actually make us use our emotional quotient stronger to make logical decisions better. Mm -hmm. And so knowing uh, using gut instinct, having an expiration time, and sometimes they come up quick, even with a toxic friend, but they might take a long time to get all the things in place. So you feel like you buttoned it up, right? Mm -hmm. It may not be immediate and it may not be all of a sudden clear. Yeah. But that evolution with all of us, I mean, we all have it, whether it's personal, professional, you know, romantically, you know, whatever it ends up being. Drive is, is needs that in order to refresh ourselves all the time. And as women, I think that's what's great to see this many people in a room. And it it's laughable to me as I, I always say, I have no understanding why I've never seen most of you. <laughs> it doesn't make sense because of just my life and how many people I know and my crossovers and not where I work or anything like that. But I love that because 
every time I'm looking at a new set of eyes, I'm like, oh, baby, we're going to get somewhere. You know, <laughs> We had the most lovely conversation with you today. And I, I mean, it just shows promise, you know, and that's what's encouraging in any one of us that do business for sure. And to go off of that, like, it's amazing how like many circles of people you meet and all the different business interactions you have. And I get it now why my sister was like, you're going to be good at it because she was like, you have so many relationships with people. Like you have no idea building a business for 10 years, how many people you've met and how that translates into anything that you do. So no matter whether you stop your business, you quit your job, you completely change trajectories, there are still people that want to stay connected with you and follow you and love seeing that evolution too. So I think that was also very eye-opening to me making that change that you're not starting from nothing or from scratch or starting over. You're just making that transition and all of those circles continue to follow you wherever you go. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I can definitely relate with that too. So where are you at with your business now? Like what are the status of things I think each of you could you share? That's so, I'm looking at you. I'm excited. Chibasi. <laughs> if I was a man, I would just be <laughs> A great leader. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're hitting <at> me. <laughs> no, the uh, that's an interesting question <clears throat> because again, talking about pivoting, transitioning, change. Um, we happen to give a, a small business presentation to the chamber today too so we talked a, a lot about like just because you stop something like if I quit and close the wedding tree um next year it did I fail I I don't think I failed because I still had 20 good years of everything that was accomplished I think it is okay to say I'm ready for the next thing same goes for profit centers and things within a business. Um, so speaking of that, having more than one business, there's every hour sometimes there's a conversation of, do we change? Do we add something else? Do we get rid of something? Do we um, replace the profit center? Right now it happens to be bridesmaids because you all have probably done personally or know someone that has, instead of going to a bridal shop and getting measured and ordering your bridesmaid dress, you're ordering it from online. So that's no longer in our top four for profit centers because it has decreased tremendously. So I either have to say it's okay to make that much less, it's not a fail, it's a, how the industry's changed, or I can look at it like what can I put in that spot now in that expensive storefront square footage that will actually make the same amount of money that or more that bridesmaids did for the store at one point. Um, Knowing it makes sense also not to get, like, I'm not going to put a beer garden in. Like, you have to kind of stay. I mean, I thought about it. Now switched into a focus. But it does make sense to uh, consider a different profit set. So right now, we talked about it as a team. I don't make any decisions by myself anymore. I empower the people that I can't even call them employees. I, I can't even call them staff. I have to call them team because without them, I have no business. And you guys, 
anyone that's been there over the last 30 years knows that I'm not the one you see at the front counter every time you walk in. And, but thank you for your business. But, um, <laughs> but I do like to empower each female to run the business like they would if they owned it, you know? So it took us a lot of time to figure this out, but we're, we decided to go with guests of the wedding because there's so many times now with all the stores closing that people want to go to a wedding and they can't find anything to wear. And, and if it's Thursday, you're not going to order something mm -hmm. from Amazon and expect it to look fantastic on Saturday. So it just went to market um, and concentrated on guests of the wedding, guests of the event apparel, and not that this is a sales thing, but I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to say it's a big step. Yeah. It's like a whole new business for me. Yeah. Um, like it's it's like starting over in a sense because it's a different line of work. It's not special order. It's not rentable. You know, Saturday, we're also going, me and my menswear manager are going to uh, market up in Minneapolis and we're going to put in men's clothing and um, guest of the event clothing for men. So that's like a new business. Every time I go to the market, it's just, it's like a new business. Things are changing. They haven't gone back to pre-COVID, and nor are they going to. So people need to stop waiting for that to happen because we're not just going to jump back to 2019. Prices aren't going to come down. Freight charges aren't coming down. Like not, nothing's going to return. So we have to look at it differently. That's a big shift. And I literally have a wedding this weekend, so that's funny. <laughs> I don't know yet. It's Paris <laughs> wedding. She was getting married this weekend, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about an she's excellent human being. I know. Ah. That's why she's not here tonight. That, honestly, otherwise she would be. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway, sorry. The <laughs> first hand experience I shopped last weekend at the Mall of America for a mother of the bride dress. And you are absolutely going the right direction. <laughs> stunk. And Macy's didn't have a lot. And if you're a person that doesn't like to order online, there is very few places to go to shop for a dress. So perfect idea. Thank you. But it is hard. Yeah. It's still hard. Yeah. How do we know we have the right size and color that you're yeah. gonna want? It is yeah. it's still our business. I've learned a lot of things with prom. You just buy yeah. other dresses to prom. And you're you're gambling that mm -hmm. you're choosing the right ones for the right girls and the right size and the right school that we registered 125 schools, right. but you still you know how to have what you know they don't want to order it from you and they don't want to pay a special order charge to get it in their size and color. Mm -hmm. So literally is a new business and it's a risk every single market. Well, and worse than that, and this is I'll piggyback on what you're talking about shopping. We no no one in this room is an off the rack customer anymore. You've blown it as customers. We've blown it as customers. We've blown it as stores. Retail has blown itself up. So you know, there's not people out there that help you anymore. There's nobody that recognizes you as a consumer. They don't even recognize themselves as staff. They don't have the talents to be able to say, if you shorten that three inches, that'd be perfect. But everyone just sits in the fitting room and says, this is four inches too long. But if you actually brought it up at the right length and then somebody saw their shoes, all of a sudden the proportion changes and it's excellent. Uh, nobody knows how to take something up in a shoulder. No, everybody just says, oh, that looks good on you. Oh, yeah, that's a little draggy there on the arm or whatever. But they just let you go off and about and then you're just kind of stuck to your own devices. And we're not really educated anymore about as unique as everybody likes to dress anymore, which everybody is. I mean, this whole room is filled with unique looks. No one knows how to necessarily 
um, and it's a generalization, so I might have to revert from saying no one, but to actually make it work great for them. Nobody knows the details on an alteration. They think a hem is the end all be all about an alteration, which it's not, you know, to take something in on a jacket, you know, um, I'll use Mara in this example because she does shop with me a lot because I do have beautiful clothes, but I have beautiful clothes from beautiful consigners that all, they, they shop all over the world. They are unbelievable in their branding, the whole thing. You know, if I had a formal dress for every time somebody walked into a formal dress and I tell them to go down to the wedding tree, I would tell you that that happens seven days a week at my shop. But I don't know. Do they think I'm a thrift store that just has old form? I don't really know. And I just want them to be in the right hands. So I give them to the experts, you know, don't even mess with that. Why would you ever, you know, even try that? So it's interesting kind of it's it's a nuanced time right now for us as consumers and us as business people to try to meet at a pearly place of 50 percent and try to work better with each other. You know, um, the days of someone asking to help, and I mean, I don't know how much you know this, but you're a great customer. But Deb, <laughs> for somebody to say how they can help you, how can we help you? People are like, I'm just looking. Well, what is that? <laughs> and if you walked into the store, I don't even understand your response because I'm here to help you. You know, and if somebody's actually asking to help, which most people don't anymore. I was going to say, I feel like people aren't used to someone asking them, you're how can I help you? Right. You're not yeah. going to sell me on this yeah. dress. If yeah. I like this dress, I'm going to like it on my own. Right. And that's, that's one of the things. Right. Well, and this is the thing, I think, to Stephanie's point, I mean, rapport is everything at this point. And as we find network or do the trust walk, and more importantly, and Mara and I talked about this a, a lot, is it is so essential for all of us to be trying to resurface through understanding what's like to be social again. We lost it with COVID. We didn't regain it in 2020. We really lost it in 2021 and 22. And right now, now there's this other thing happening, which everything's imploding right now. There is so much energy. Everybody's on. Oh, my busy summer. All this on, on, on. And then now we're back at kind of the chaos that we had before COVID, which wasn't our best form either. So how do we try to figure out how to be uh, more deliberate, uh, more successful in whether our intentions are to make ourselves present ourselves well, to be accepted within a business world. And what you're doing by being a good consumer is you're actually training business people to be better at business. Mm -hmm. Devin, my responsibility and Stephanie too, is to be great at training our people to be great at training our process, our values, our culture. But if the consumer doesn't understand that, then you're going to be shopping on Amazon. And at some point, then none of us exist anymore. It's true. Yeah. Um, they're, they're people buy from people. So. Right. Good point. It, it doesn't necessarily matter what you're selling. All of this stuff. That lady that sold me a dress, she could have sold me a gunny sack. <laughs> Just was unbelievable. She showed me her picture of her dress for her son's wedding. 
she was just, we walked out of there and my sister-in-law said, oh my God, I just love her. <laughs> and, and well, her and that's team. how you stay in business right now. Absolutely. And it seems yeah, like absolutely. really basic customer service, right? Yeah. To greet the person when she they walk smart. in <laughs> and actually try to yeah. service them and help yeah. them. Like that's why you're in business. And that's how we can go above and beyond. I mean, it doesn't seem like it, but it is above and beyond what the average is right now, right? For people to get that experience. So yeah, go off of your point. So like where I'm at in my business is, okay, like let's meet the consumer where they're at. People don't want weekly classes anymore. They don't want daily classes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, okay, if that's that's the feedback that I'm getting, well then what do they want? Okay, they the pop-ups that we do, all over the community, different unique things all the time are always full. That's what people want. It's a one-off experience. You get to try something new. You get to meet new people, maybe meet a new business. Um, and it's that social element, right? Like they're not necessarily there to maybe get the 10,000 burpees that I would love to give them. Um, <laughs> they're probably not there for that. Um, which is fine because they're getting what they want out of the experience. And just because it might not be like, you know, what I think it should be as far as a workout goes, they're still getting the community element of it. So I thought, okay, well, that's what people want. So let's give them what they want. And that's where we, I shifted everything to just these community lifestyle experiences. Um, and that is working really well. So like, sometimes it's not about what you want. It's about, you know, what does the consumer want? And obviously you still need to enjoy some element of what you're doing, but yeah, you can make those pivots. Um, I just kind of piggybacking off of that. It's something I'm a little bit struggling with right now is like, Seeing or hearing that this is this is what we want, this is what we want, this is what I hear you want, and then and then offering that, and then crickets. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if you guys can speak on that a little bit too. Of like, oh. I mean, I understand there's marketing involved, but like, right? Well, yeah. and I don't, I don't actually think it's always just marketing either. So like, in a community like what we live in, word of mouth is your absolute best friend. Showing up is another great place to be. Um, attitude is another important feature just on either how you stylize yourself or how you convey yourself with others, you know, the way you talk about other people in like-minded situations, right? All that stuff really works. The thing that's kind of tricky to me too, and I, I, I guess I'll segue a little bit off of you, is I also think you don't always have to give everybody what they want right now because they don't even know what they want. That's true. So I'm going to go there. I, and, and, and the reason I like that so much, because there's the creative nuance that we all have as an opportunity to be the entrepreneurial that you want to actually have some faith that maybe crickets, it, this is what I'd say, for being in the cosmetic industry as long as I was. And it makes me laugh because I, my grandmother would still laugh how long I was in the cosmetic industry because I was such a jock growing up. And I mean, <laughs> and um, you know, it's, it's not my favorite state is having makeup on and things like that, but it sure is fun. And this is a funnier story today on my way here. This is how disorganized I am in my life. My son just got married a couple of years, a couple of weeks ago. And, um, I was just trying to, I was just, I sweated all day at work. I was moving furniture all over and I, I left work early just to get dressed for this. And I thought, oh my God, pay show up. And I put lip liner right through my and I put it through and it was hot orange. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> So I told, I called him at work. I'm like, now I look like Frida Kahlo. Like I am a mess up here. But it was so funny because cosmetics is such a gas, right? So in the perfume industry, 
there used to be an essence of perfume. How many of you have ever worked in cosmetics? Anybody? Uh, but you all love it, right? Skincare, the lip gloss, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, in the fragrance industry, and this is where, this is why the cosmetic businesses have changed so much, is you used to actually do spray cards for people and you'd say, you know, here's Stephanie. I know, you <laughs> take that home and you just let that dry down and let me put a little bit on, and then see you later. And smell these coffee beans. Smell these coffee in between. And then, you know, on impulse, people don't notoriously buy perfumes. They just don't. And they, you actually had to do this cricket section of letting them go home for a week to 10 days. So then the discipline next to that was calling. Mm -hmm. So the follow-up shows up. The show, you know, the concept of full circle shows up. So you can act with some intention of, hey, Betty Boop, I know you love that Dolce & Gabbana fragrance and I only have two bottles left you know, are you interested in it still? Did it feel good to you? Let me ask some questions about you. How did it feel for you, right? Well, my boyfriend said he'd buy it for me. Do you want me to call your boyfriend? I'll call him, you know? And this is how, you know, clienteling begins then. Then you start figuring out how to be able to talk with it. In the, in the end, you can sell through all the fragrances in the world. They just might not have payday that day. And crickets kind of are a place for you to think. Crickets are a great place because it makes you... Um, again, we'll use the word evolution in my book is crickets is the time for you to start getting points of view of some of the people you hold closest to say, am I doing something wrong? Can you give me some feedback? What's your gut instinct on this? Um, I'd really like to know, you know, do you, do you see like an Achilles heel on what I'm trying to do here? Because I feel like I'm in a standstill. You know, the other thing is, as women, I think, um, and I, I mean, I don't want to gender it, but I do think as women, because I think boys cry too. I listen to Free to Be You and Me all week this week. So <laughs> um, it's just funny because I always say, I've always said it, crying means a lot. If, cry, if you're crying, you're invested, you're trying to figure it out, and you're probably making some progress. So if you get to a point where you're really confused like that, that probably shows, again, we use the word pivot, um, a sensory that something's starting to bubble up. Mm -hmm. So I have to wait till I cry. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if you don't cry, let me spray some Dolce & Gabbana. <laughs> yeah, the follow-up. Like the follow-up. And that's what a lot of people don't do they don't anymore do, they is don't like they don't follow up. Right. Yeah. It's really funny. The answer. Yeah, well, you can't be scared of no, you can't. And you kind of have to be open to it. And, you know, I'm going to go back to what you're saying there about just the fact that they went on a little bit of a limb and told you how much they like their socialization with you every week, right? That's critical to them. That's a clue that you can work with about somebody to figure out what's your next step with that. You know what? And sometimes maybe it's just hearing that they needed a hug or, or that they too, that you too like to socialize with them. And you say that to them because, you know, to your point about telling the shop owner that she does a great job or you were pleased and it changed your whole day or your concept of what you were dredging through. Wow. Feedback. Mm -hmm. 
to Deb's point, mm-hmm. even if it's bad feedback, I didn't really like the way you talked to me, but I sure think your bathrooms look neat, you know, whatever. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter, you know, because at least you kind of go, oh, well, you know what? We work really hard on cleaning our bathrooms. But we talk absolutely. You know. <laughs> It gets funny. I mean, it's it is all psychological. The businesses that we're all in, and probably all businesses are psychological. So you have to figure out where is your investment in the part of that, whether it relates to dollars in the end or not. And some of us are not even in business for dollars. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that that's not the thing. There's money to be had all over. After we just went through these PPP money and this I, this employee retention credit money and all this stuff that's been out there, it's a very bizarre time. There is money everywhere right now, which is why no one's working, which is why we're all suffering with staff <laughs> and which is why we're also su- struggling with customers. Mm-hmm. They don't have the, they, they may be, you know, socking it in a bed. I don't know where they're putting some of their money, you know, but I mean, banks obviously give out money like crazy, but there's not systems that always work for you either right so like and that's one thing that's a departure from Wibic. i mean the fact that they take energy to be able to isolate a category which i do think we're all starting to get a little siloed at this point you know you you kind of stay in your lane because it's a little safer and it probably has better return on investment at this point if we all do that right it doesn't mean i mean the, the years of really being diverse seem to be waning. I think you and I just talked about that recently. I like diversity, but you know what? If I think about it right now, we as a female market are strong and powerful. And I like being around entrepreneurial, female-spirited, motivated-driven women. I think it's really fun. And I think it's got so much energy to it. And so when you're doing a tipping point of something, this is kind of a neat thing about who we are. You know, mm-hmm. but patience is a big virtue. Mm-hmm. Boy, patience. I mean, who knows? And 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 maybe a therapist for those of you who believe in therapy or your sister. It doesn't really matter. You know, your mom. My mom always does this one too. And really, right or that. Right. It's funny because my mom always looks at me when I really have like something wrong. I seem to be picking up the phone and calling her. Though I, she's not a business person. Um, and she actually is a social justice person. She won one of the first awards at the YWCA um, when it first started. And that's a neat thing about her. And so, you know, I'll say, (laughs) and then she, she just looks at me and she just does this. That really hurts, doesn't it? (laughs) And see, wasn't that, isn't that the most sensitive response? Validation Mm -hmm. that it. Oh, it's just wonderful. Now you're not going to really talk with a guy and get the same thing. And you know what? And you know what? We're making waves all in our own sense. So, you know, from uh, not necessarily being a feminist myself, but believing in the strength of women, um, Boy, do I think we have power. Well, and to be able to sit in a room like this and be like, yeah, I'm struggling right now. But like, I'm, it's okay. Like yeah. everyone struggles in their business, whether it's mm-hmm. professionally or personally or both at the same time and like trying to make it all work. Um, it's normal. Like you're always going to have some sort of challenge. Um, and if we don't, we will make one. Or <laughs> That's a great point, right? <laughs> so it's kind of that, like, you know, thing I was just talking about this thing start to get really good. And, and then we start nitpicking 
mm, then there's something wrong that we could fix and micromanage. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, I think just like trying to find that like level ground of like, okay, this is a, this is a challenge, but that means that I'm growing or like, yes. I'm crying. Yes. So I'm growing yes. and I'm evolving. And um, sometimes you really do need to get to that point of like either rock bottom or like dark tunnel um, to be able to make your way out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can even relate to that. I'm, I'm the kind of person that likes to figure things out and I realize or like make things better. And I like had the realization yesterday. I'm like, I just need to do some things and not, <laughs> and not insert myself. Like yeah. I, I can't even do that. Like, I don't know. So I can totally relate to what you're saying. I was having that conversation with myself. Like, can I just enjoy things? Like, right. I don't like, know. Why yeah. can't I just enjoy where I'm at right now and not need to strive for something else or fix this yeah. little minor detail that doesn't really matter? Right. Well, um, and, and it, I think culturally or generationally kind of where we're at right now, and probably a big part of it is about COVID. I mean, we're never really truly satisfied. This doesn't make us perfection. It doesn't lead into all these other words of controlled freak or anything like that. But the fact is, is when you're driven by your own success and you're around people that are successful too, you just want to meet them at where they're at too. You want to show up with as much success as they can share or re-deliver yourself in a different way that maybe you do sound as successful, even if you're not feeling that way, you know? I mean, I even think that conversation we had where you talked about talking about failure, um, you have every right to feel failure. But everything I heard was so far from failure. And so as you baby step out of that, and as you find your surface of footing to be able to know you tried and you move and you try and you move and you gain and you grow and you, you know, it, it that's, we're all creating our biography every day. Mm-hmm. So whatever that means, it's all, it's a, it's a daunting task to be an individual in this day and age, but (laughs) no, it is. And I think, you know, if we all just give ourselves a little bit more honor and care, um, I think that's also part of the benefit of what we can bring to this all, not just, you know, empathy and compassion almost feels like a dated word now, but uh, respect will never leave in, in the world of business or, um, and it certainly can't when you're dealing with humans, respect is one of the keywords that I think will always be evaluated as prime. You know, so. I sell cookies, what I do, everybody that's had my cookies knows that I put my heart and my soul into every single one of them. And this lady come up to my booth, she goes, calories, calories, calories. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know what to say to that. I, I would say, oh, mm-hmm. but they're good calories. <laughs> my, my response is, I have a little sign that says something about they're made with love. Everything's fake with love. I'm like, I don't put calories in them. I put love in them, which I truly 100% believe that I do. But I'm also thinking, well, the wine you drink has calories. And then, like, all these other things, you know. You're like, 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 I always say that you can't take that personal. Yeah. You know, like, you have to... You, that that's her personal thing she's trying to put on you like you just said but I you know it took a lot of years for me to come back with the professional answer like mm-hmm. I am sorry the only people I can find to hire are human <laughs> and, and until that changes mistakes are going to happen every single day and especially in this business where we have hundreds of customers through the door a week mm-hmm. and that's number one and number two you can't answer with emotion mm-hmm. so as much as we talk about it, it's okay to have emotion and reflection and give yourself grace 
in the professional world, that's not okay. Right. I mean, it's easy at that point to want to start crying and let it ruin the show. But because you're there to make money, you want the market to be successful. So you have to put the best face on for the next customer. So I, I sometimes now I'm getting to where, because of the age and the wisdom and the (laughs) being in business for so long that I I want to say, if you don't appreciate it, just move along because what you are saying is not going to make my job any easier today. Right. At least I'm on this side trying to sell something and trying to service somebody. You're over there. Unless you have something positive to say, please don't say it. Mm-hmm. It's hard enough for me to get here, set up this booth, mm-hmm. put all this expense into my day. Um, you're not on this side. Until you are, you can't say that. Right. And I always rush off and I just point to my sign and I say, I make everything with love. And, and that's like, great. But it's it, like, just move along. It know? does get to you. Even after 28 years, it gets to you. I still have days where I am like, why am I still doing this? People are not, you know, and then, it, but I, I tell myself and my team all the time, we cannot let the 1% control what we are doing, you know, right or wrong. It's a 99% of all of the love and the feedback and the customer followings that word of mouth, you know, that is driving us and growing us. It's not that 1%. So we can't react to the 1%. And I think the bigger you grow and get brand awareness and do more markets and things like that, unfortunately, like the more experiences we have like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times they're with people we don't even know. Right. Um, so that's where it's like, I do think it's like time it, taking that time for inner reflection for you. Maybe it's just journaling on why I bothered you, mm-hmm. you know, and trying to release it and let it go. Um, and it does get easier over time. I think your shell gets <laughs> thicker um, because like, you've had that experience before so you kind of learn I think how to part of it for me also is like I would never say anything my suggestion even if you're working with your cousin or something at a pop-up shop or wherever you're working or if you're having near other people that you don't normally do business with the neatest thing you could actually do is counter that immediately as it sinks into this part that really hurts and gets you upset Think of one of your favorite stories about one of your best customer experiences and tell that story right away and turn the trajectory, get it out there. Think about something that made you giggle or somebody bought, you know, 600 dozen cookies one time, you know, whatever. And think about how much they love every caloric. It really doesn't matter because this is the other part. And this is where judging is hard in this day and age. We judge so easily because we realize the effect it has. Um, we have to make decisions, so we judge. So many people that don't even make decisions judge, right? In this point, yes, to that point, she may have a calorie problem. Uh, maybe she doesn't have that at all, and she's just looking at it because her aunt has always said never have a cookie. You have no idea. Uh, her, her, uh, you know, somebody might have died of obesity recently or, or diabetes, or maybe they can't have it. Or, you know, there's all these things that go into it. So maybe the comment isn't directed to you. Maybe the comment is just left for you to come up with a better answer of something great that happened to you by being a cookie creator. Mm-hmm. Why you do it. That made with love answer is, is absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. Just perfect. Yeah. I would also say that remember her comment only has power if you let it have power. Yeah, that's a great point. So, you know, if you can find something else to focus on, 
like after she leaves, just kind of be like, oh, that was really but then remind yourself, <laughs> like she's like amazing customers who love your work. Who don't, don't it could have triple the calories right. and they're gonna eat a double right. right. like, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> and that will really help you guys. Yeah. 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 So, and I work at Great Clips. So can I tell you how many people I see in a shift? Because I do haircut after haircut after haircut. And when people come in and they're nasty, like it's really, it's hard. This is like, I internalize everything too. But just to like your point, we don't know the day they had. We don't know what they're going through. We don't know who shit in their weeds that morning. <laughs> I mean, we have really rude customers, but it's like being able to get through that one and then put the smile on for the next because the next person deserves your attention because then all the person before you ruined it. Mm -hmm. And that was something I have to do it because I'm probably going to get a screaming kid the next kid for him, right? <laughs> Sarah, because that's normally what happens. <laughs> They're the ones that I want to run from. Okay. So it's like, I'm going to get that nasty right. person, but if I don't put that smile on because there's going to be a kid that's going to sit in my chair next, and if I can't make this fun for him, okay. we're not going to have a good time. Okay. So... It's not easy because we all internalize it, and I try really hard not to take my work home. That's why I just cut hair from start to end. And I don't have a business with it because I don't want to do it all the time. But I think that's something too is just like remembering that that next person deserves you at your best, so that they come back because that person who's not going to come back is not going to matter. Not every person. Well, and again, you're cutting hair because that's a what's in it for me part. Mm -hmm. You like to do it. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so yeah, our opportunity persists if you realize the person sitting in your chair every time is kind of under your training radar, mm -hmm. um, even a screaming kid. How can you get buy-in? It's not, it's yeah. not perpetual. It sometimes takes time. It, you know, today it was really funny. Right before I left the store, there's a ch child that has autism that comes in the store and I always let him just pick a beanie baby. And I always let him pick a beanie baby for his sister and that, but he gets to go. But he always tells me he doesn't want the beanie baby. He wants to pick like a badminton racket or like whatever. <laughs> so I always let him have that. And then he's like, I really don't like beanies. But anyway, he went to kindergarten for the first time yesterday. I go, I got to tell you, you look so good today. I'm so proud of the way you looked. You must have looked that good on your first day of kindergarten. He goes, I did. Like, how would I know? <laughs> right. And so anyway, I go, I'm going to tell you, you look so sharp today. I say, I want to give you a hug. He goes, oh, I give you a hug too. I love you. <laughs> and it was so cute because he's restless in there and he's distracted. And, you know, just taking a little time to focus in. And maybe you take that time to ask a question about, Mm -hmm. something that deviates mm -hmm. off from why it seems calorie, 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 or, you know, why something's so bad, just a gentle, gentle verbiage that you can learn. That's your own personal style to just say something kind to somebody right at the end. And, 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 and you already did it too, is, I mean, how about thank you? <laughs> thank you for sharing a little bit of your day with me is way different than just saying, thank you for stopping. Um, so a lot of the like big name shares, like it's you know, that's the cookie thing is to your business, the, the marketing thing is to your business. 
I had a customer just like chit chatting with me asking about my life. And in my studio, I like to share why I started my studio. Like I have workshops and so I go through like very vulnerable things that happened in my life and why I ended up here. And this woman just came into the studio just chit chatting. And at the end of the conversation goes, well, you're calling yourself a Christian, but you're obviously a hypocrite because you live with your boyfriend. And like, it really makes me feel like it's my studio is supposed to be a safe space for women. And if I want to continue sharing that side of me, I have to be prepared for customers to literally attack me personally. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that was a very rude way. And how I try to think of it too, because basically opening a business, you are putting yourself out there for criticism from anyone, random person on the street, random person walking by, right? That is liberty. It, it just becomes like part of the experience. That's why they say if you want to go on a personal development journey, open a business, right? Because you're going to learn a lot about yourself along with learning about a business. But something that I've really had to do over the years, given my experience with my past landlord, um, is like, what is this teaching me? What is this person teaching me? I see them as actors in my story. So I would always make a joke like, oh yeah, I'm going to write a chapter about you in my book and we're going to figure out, you know, what that role is and what I learned from you. And even to this day, even going through all of the things that I had to with him, people would tell me, you should sue him back. You should do this. You should, you should get him, you know? And I was like, I literally don't feel any animosity towards him at all, because if it wasn't for that experience, it wouldn't propel me to where I was at to have a better experience with a mentor to propel me to all these other things that I would have never gotten to. So a lot of times when we have those negative experiences in the moment, we're like, gosh, this is the worst. These people are so mean, they're rude, they're this. And it's like totally normal to feel like a human and take those things personally. But eventually these things start to piece together as like part of a story of like, oh yeah, I learned that from that experience. Oh yeah, that actually made me go to then this thing. And then I maybe met this person. And so trying to see it as more of like an interweaving of actors who challenge you to learn, grow, learn something new about yourself, do the inner work. Um, and just like Deb said, you know, it's so hard to not take it personally, but I've really tried to see some of those negative experiences as just stepping stones to other things. And I feel bad for them at the end of the day. Like there's clearly something really negative in their life that they haven't dealt with that they need to project and attack me for, even though I'm like, I didn't do anything to this person. I'm 25 years old. I didn't do anything. <laughs> Um, and there's something going on there that I can't fix, but I can send them love mm -hmm. and, and some sort of compassion that I hope they figure that out. If they don't, it's not on me, but I made the best of a really crappy situation. And not everything's harmonious either. No. I mean, the one thing I'd say to you as, uh, as a tenured aging woman is that life is not full disclosure either. And maybe it allows you to modify the way you talk to certain people. Maybe you tell your full story to somebody and maybe hold back a little bit on some other things. If you're seeing the, if you're reading the room, right. Mm -hmm. And maybe it ends up being that 
your full disclosure is not going to get more buy-in. So reflect and maybe come up with a new version of your next version of explaining what your story is mm -hmm. and what your work is, right? Um, again, because Tuesday is different than Wednesday and Wednesday is different than next month and whatever. So you can obviously eliminate things over time that don't sound so great and then layer in new things that feel wonderful. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you want to be candid. And not everybody deserves that right now either, I'd say. Mm -hmm. So until that uh, general rawness is available to you, you know, people, the general public really can take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. And, and, and hearing your version of that story is sad to me because that person just totally manipulated something and then does, and, and lacrosse is notorious for this. I've lived here long enough. This is the, a very passive aggressive community, as much as it has diamonds <laughs> in it, there's a lot of coal. <laughs> so, but yeah. that, that would be one advice piece for, someone like that that's taking the risks that you are but when you're telling your story you are taking a risk to exactly yeah. what you said mm -hmm. yeah and you have to forgive so yeah. you can use yeah. that energy that is yeah. now making you um, upset to go towards greater things to make mm -hmm. your business and your life and your personal life better so if you don't forgive they're winning mm -hmm. at what they set out to do in the first place and and i'd rather forgive and move on and and now that i'm old it's like Easy to forget. <laughs> it's like a sleight of hand maneuver. Oh, I didn't realize. Not that I can recall. It's a great line. Other questions? Another step um, beyond the forgiveness, then, that I've also learned when something like that happens to me and I you know, what did that trigger in me? How can I learn from that? Is um, to bring it back to the gratitude that I do at the end of the day. Thank you for showing up and for being a teacher for me. Thank you for reflecting that and bringing that up that I might have needed to focus on that thing that was brought up by that. And so by working on that forgiveness, but then showing that, um, sending gratitude, gratitude for them too, yep. that, that helped you in that moment. Um, helps me process that mm -hmm. too. I love that. Just yeah. like you can now thank your excellence. I'm so grateful. Yeah, I mean, and, and there's so many. I laugh about it. It's just like you laugh about the bankruptcy, right? No, it takes it yeah. takes time. Well, just think what, what would have happened if if uh, I didn't get if I didn't get mad and quit. By working, you know, from working for those egotistical men, um, I mean, I wouldn't have been able to do all of the nonprofit work. And all that. I'm so thankful that things happened the way it did, but in the moment, it doesn't always do it. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Deb, when you are working in an industry like wedding and you're dealing with women and they are so emotional, <laughs> earlier you mentioned that you don't react with emotion. Do you find yourself just saying, like, this is our policy? I, story or how do you do that if somebody's giving you a lot of pushback and trying to like I find that people try to like um currently um weasel their way thing. around things <laughs> and use verbiage like it's my special day and this and that and I find it really irritating <laughs> because I think they're kind of manipulating me and I really want to stand firm and be like this is what it is 
But then you have some people that are like, well, you should talk to them on the phone and tell them why you can't give refunds and like give a motion to it. And part of me is like, no, it says it in her contract. Like she's kind of being rude. Like, what could you say about that? <laughs> That's a good question. And um, I do think that every every situation does have gray area. And as, as a team, we do talk about these scenarios daily. I tell everybody Please don't ever make a decision on the spot. If you're forced to, I support you, even mm -hmm. if I would have made a different decision. Mm -hmm. So that being said. That's a lovely That's comment. a good one. That yeah. is I mean, I do. I support them. I'm not the one in front of the customer. Yeah. And, you know, usually it's a, a dad with athletic shirts on and a muscle man shirt. <laughs> I don't have any of those. <laughs> yeah. so. I know I pay my tux in full. <laughs> but. <laughs> but. But. It's, you know, it's, it's a policy, and I used this example earlier, yeah. a dress cannot be taken out of the store without it being faithful. Mm -hmm. But almost every year, there's a sick grandparent or sick parent on hospice mm -hmm. that wants to see their daughter in a wedding dress, and so we let them take one of ours mm -hmm. and, and let them put it on and have their little ceremony with their sick relative and then bring it back. And does it cost me any money? No. If I had a policy in place that we wouldn't budge off of. So I do think there is a certain um, gray area to every mm -hmm. single policy that does need to be revisited. And sometimes you have to hear their emotion mm -hmm. to be able to, uh, you know, either stay firm mm -hmm. or not. Mm -hmm. Is is there somebody sick and dying or is a real scenario that you would want to bend? Because you do need all that word of mouth advertising. It's probably your only advertising. Mm -hmm. um, However, if they're still being very difficult, it's maybe not the customer you want. You know, we've had mm -hmm. to go to the point where we've said, okay, here, here is your here's your $200 back for the tux you thought you paid in full. Now go find a different tux mm -hmm. two days before the wedding. Mm -hmm. I'm not ready to do that, but it just makes them think, like, why am I acting like this? Why am I behaving like this? And if there is a, a valid reason why they're asking for uh, you to move a little bit on your policy, because mm -hmm. we always say we have policies in place. Yeah. We don't have policies in place. It, it just doesn't work for anybody, you know, and you, it's okay to say, I'm a female. I'm trying to make a living. I'm trying to have a business. I've already used your down payment on my light bill. I'm trying to give you the best service I possibly can. I don't have the money to give it back to you. Mm. I want to give you what you signed up for and what you asked me to provide for you. But if we can't do this with a good rapport, it's not going to work for either one of us. Mm. That's good. That's language that meets mm -hmm. people where they're at, or at least gives them some options. Mm -hmm. I think if you get to the firmness of this is my process, this is the bottom line, this is the answer, you're never going to get a good review. You're never going to have the right conversation. Mm -hmm. But what you're, what is the most beautiful aspect of talking with people is talking in options. Mm -hmm. So allow them to maybe have a couple of choices. Just say, you know what? We signed a contract. Mm -hmm. You signed it. I delivered it. I feel comfortable that I delivered all of the, the things expected. You know, let's talk about it. But I'll tell you, as a small business owner, I don't know where I came up short for you. Mm. I'm confused about that. And 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 it is your special day. I honor that. That's why I'm in this business mm. because I believe I can deliver to special days. Mm. I like delivering to special days and your day felt special because of this, that, and that, you know, whatever. But when you personalize it and you use their name a lot, 
If you use people's name when you're talking to them, especially in a customer service problem situation, the the drill down starts getting softer. You can't overuse their name, but you have to make sure that you acknowledge that you're this is this means a lot. You know, sometimes they don't want anything; they just want to be heard. They do. Yeah. They I have do. Found that out right. too, but uh, sometimes yeah. compromise is worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's another way of word of mouth advertising. You don't want them all talking about that. You don't stand firm either because, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. oh, she let her take the bridesmaid dress back because it was four sizes too big. You know, we don't, nobody wants that kind of reputation either, but you also want to be known as a human that is actually listening. If you're, if you're going to come, if you are expected to do something other than what was on the contract, what are they going to do that's other than what's on the contract, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, and another word of thought here is consistency. Don't go from Betty Boop to Janet Jackson to Wonder Woman and give three different kinds of responses always. They're all unique settings. But if one time you give 50% off and the next time you give 25% back and the other one, you're just like, you know what, have it all. That that is going to that is a fate worse than death, you know. Again, if you talk one-on-one with everything to what Deb is trying to say, and you've said it too. I mean, Mara handles people one-on-one like this. Every one of us deserve the individuality of what the experience should be. We're not cookie cutters anymore. Even in a corporate setting, you're not cookie cutter. And what sets you apart is usually when you encourage yourself to be unique with that person and provide them the unique concept of whatever business offerings that you're providing. It, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, we've talked about this in our monthly meetings is like where our culture is at right now is everyone wants fast convenience, like mm-hmm. automated, quick response to everything, but they want it personalized. Mm-hmm. So we can't necessarily automate everything either because right. they still want that personal one-on-one experience. So mm-hmm. how to meet both of those demands um, is really the current challenge, I mm-hmm. think, as we see more technology and things become more automated. I mean, we get frustrated. I get frustrated going somewhere and I can't just talk to a person to order something. Um, so how do we meet kind of the consumer and um, have that personalized experience and still have that um, for, like faster communication. Even can be well, hard. wait till AI comes through, you guys. <laughs> here, you're, you're authentic. Yeah, it's actually been in place for about 10 years. So hopefully it's not so dramatic when it really hard hits. But it, it, it the person itself is, is the best commodity that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's something too that I've heard Kristen say is just like, and you've said it to me, but like, we can't control other people's responses to the information that we give them. We can only control our ourselves and our how we how we speak it and how we put it out there, and the rest is on them. Um, and I think that's where we get hung up the most because we we want to manipulate or you know have some control over how people either perceive us or the response back to a difficult, challenging situation like that, where we feel like, well, maybe we can't win in this situation. Um, but giving options, I think, and trying to meet people with where they're at. And then if that's still not working, you know that you did as much as you could. You feel good with your response and what you were willing to give. And then the rest is on I think it's so funny. We're talking about artificial intelligence and how it's going to affect things. Because when Kay and I started, 
Um, we used to have to wait for the phone book to come up <laughs> to find out, you know, where the best advertisement was going to be. So we knew where to get our cakes for the next birthday party. I laughed at the chamber meeting the other day. I said, we used to wait for the spiral binder to come out because I needed a fax machine. So I opened a copy machine dealers, you know, because we didn't have an internet to look things in. And now it's so different, yeah. but that goes along with business. Look at how many changes we've all been through already, mm -hmm. whether it's been six months to 30 years, things yeah. are changing. Yeah. And we have to be able to ebb and flow and have the knowledge, the ability to uh, add to the team with people that are better at things than we are now. That's yeah. what I would say. Only smart enough to hire people smarter than me. Well, the other thing that you have going for you, I'd say from from just right off the hip is not my replaced hip, but the real hip <laughs> is that you're, everyone's better. Well, <laughs> you're brave. You're brave to even think that way right now. I love that. Can I say that that just happened to me about an hour ago that I just talked to you and told you this and that just happened? Yeah, probably it happened an hour ago in my life, you know, of thinking about being able to give options if I would give, if I would be talking to my 30 year old self, my 40 year old self, and especially during the generations of what that was like, there are 9 million responses that I give you to that answer. But right now I'm trying to meet where we are today. Options, um, candor, um, fairness. There's some really lovely words in there that you could find to be able to meet your needs. And part of it is how do you meet your needs? And then how do you also, I think retention is a big thing. How do you retain your customer? How do you retain the people you're dealing with? The final question we have here um, is what drives your soul today? And what do each of you get up for? And I'm going to start with Stephanie on this one. <laughs> because I wrote the question. And because I'm soul-driven this um, yeah, the that's, podcast. That's my podcast. Well, we are recording this for the podcast. So this is perfect, actually. Um, what drives my soul today, I would say, is um, continuing to see what is what else I can do. Mm -hmm. I, what else can I do? trying new things, meeting new people, being able to like help other people and serve in whatever way I can. And I think just like trying to be adventurous about life because I don't know, I know I'm the youngest person up here, but I feel like once I turned 30, it hit me that um, like life is going really, really, really fast. Um, it just gets faster every year. So what can I do to make the most of every day? Mm -hmm. Like that. Try like learning how to unicycle or something. I'm trying to think about actually want to roller skate. Okay, but nice. not very good at it. Okay. And I yeah, need so long. long. Okay, I could never rollerblade growing up. I don't know why it was just not something I really did. I was more of a bike, you know, bicycle person. So yeah, I want to. Yeah, I want to nice. high rollers. High rollers. Nice. I've been saying um I want to do a thirty first birthday party at high roller 70s thing. So y'all are fine. Okay, what about you? Um I feel very tired all the time. So like that I'm very underslept. I'm a type one diabetic. I'm very underslept. This has been a daunting three years to try to take over somebody else's business. So if I try to figure out what it is, it's probably a word that would be like betterment. Um, betterment of self. How can I present myself better to others? 
how can I present myself better to myself, my family, um, having a, my first son get married, that was a betterment experience and trying to meet people. Um, I ran my 40th class reunion. That was a betterment project. <laughs> um, betterment is a big word because, you know, to be honored to even be up in this section with these powerful women and especially with the history that I have with Deb and the rare times we get to do anything together. <laughs> um, she was the head of DMI during a very critical time downtown and I just watched her from afar. And I've had big jobs and small jobs and all of that. I just want to be an asset. I want to do good work. I want to rest well when I can. Um, and I want to continue. You know, this is a very fulfilling experience tonight. Doesn't matter if you're sitting in your chairs or we're up here because we're all obviously sharing and your engagement is very, from having a training background, your engagement of head nodding and hand raising and smiling and giggling and even filling out the bingo thing. Um, <laughs> that stuff is all powerful, you know. Um, and I feel extremely motivated in my betterment today. And while I don't always journal and I don't always do a gratitude thing at, I think religion is kind of far away from me right now because I'm so darn tired, <laughs> but faith is something I feel. And this gives me a lot of faith. I think you and Deb need to go roller skating. <laughs> I'm a good roller skater. So <laughs> even though I like to roller skate. Uh, well, cur curling is something that you do. So you got <laughs> Yes, yeah, so I stick to the curling. You should try curling, Stephanie. <laughs> I will try it. What about you, Deb? It really just is um, empowering women, and I've always felt that way, and I think it was because my first professional job was for men, and there were a lot of, it's like every job I had, there were men either hitting on me or my coworkers in, inappropriately, and um, the women were not heard unless the men said the same thing, a man said the same thing, and it still is happening. So empowering women and helping to elevate other small businesses. Um, and I haven't been as good at some of this stuff as I used to be. I haven't even unfortunately made it over to Kay's story yet. I mean, my, my uh, youngest daughter passed away last year, mm -hmm. and that has been very hard for me to continue with work and continue with my professional things so um, for me it's great to be able to come to something like this and talk about business and and be happy and enthusiastic and and think there the future looks bright to, to, to know there's still women out there that want to have a business or work in a business or um, continue making all of us women uh, powerful even when some of us are no longer in the workforce and um so it's oh it's gonna be helping other people and empowering them. And I just have to say too before we close that the reason why I wanted to create these experiences of having speakers that have a lot of life experience and business experience is because and it's really hard to find 
women in our local community who have been in business for 15, 20, 30 plus years. There's not a lot of them. And so the reason behind even Sister Circle is to let's create more of that. Let's Mm -hmm. not have every long-term business owner be just dominated by men. Like let's have more women business owners that have been in business and want to share that wisdom and experience because not everyone is open and willing to sharing it either. So thank you both for being here tonight and being able to continue sharing your journey with all of us um, because it's like really invaluable um, to be able to be open and not just share, oh, I did this and this is all success. But I think we heard a lot of things tonight too that are like, yeah, and I failed at this, but then I tried this other thing. Um, So being able to share both experiences and from a really personal, vulnerable place. So thank you both. And thank you, Mara, for coaching and moderating it. So thank you all for coming. I'm sure we're way over time. Um, But it's totally worth it. Um, Feel free to stay and continue to connect and chat with our speakers and each other. Um, Take some pictures, um, get your Instagram handles and share those with each other as well. And um, we will be opening up doors for our quarter four membership in September, which is next week already. Crazy. Um, I know. Um, We are doing a really amazing retreat in October that I'm super excited about. If you have any questions on that, let me know. And for all of our members in quarter four, I'm working on a celebration gala um, towards the holidays. So it's going to be a really great quarter. If you haven't joined us yet, check it out. Get on the list. Sign it up. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Soul Driven with Steph. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it out with someone else who needs to hear this message. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you know when new episodes drop. And until next time, be sure to take care of your mind, your body, and your soul.